We welcome you into episode 10 of the best podcast available presented by Cross Country Mortgage. Welcome to Draft Week, everybody. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. Nathan Zagura, senior media broadcaster, joining us today. And we get you ready for the 2022 NFL Draft, guys. And before we really get into the draft here and what promises to be in a very interesting week, how we got here, Gribbs, and it starts with uh, with an offseason with some additions, some subtractions, a new quarterback on this football team, uh, and a lot happening behind the scenes as this team gets ready for the draft this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like things were kind of off to a, a big start with getting Amari Cooper from the Cowboys, and then all of a sudden Deshaun Watson's the quarterback of this team, and that changed absolutely everything. Changes the whole complexion of your quarterback room, changes your current draft, and changes your future draft. So with no first-round picks until uh, 2025. So you lose the 13th pick this year but you still have the second round and two in the third round, but it just changes everything where a, a team that has been so associated with the first round of the draft now will not be associated with it, barring any trades for the next three years. So it, it, it's just whole, whole complexion of the franchise change with Deshaun Watson, the top five quarterback in, but now some, some still some needs to fill with far less draft capital than we're used to here. And Nathan, not the first time that we haven't had a first round pick, but with everything that has gone on on this football team, the, there's not a lot of holes to fill, but the front office has done a nice job setting up for this draft without a first-round pick. Yeah, and Andrew Barry's done a great job in the second round in his two drafts. You get Grant Delpit one year, move back a few spots, also pick up Nick Harris, who now looks like your starting center, and then you get Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa a year ago. So you hope to work that magic of a first-round talent in the second round once again. But, yeah, you're pretty well set up, and you could, on offense especially, you can envision the starting lineup. We will talk about the wide receiver position. But defensively, I think the defensive line still some question marks, but your back seven is – I think set already and that's a great thing so not a lot of needs to fill but there are some needs which we'll get into and you've done a good job continuing to lock up the pillars of your organization Denzel Ward signed the contract extension that'll keep him with the Browns through 2027 uh, making him the highest paid cornerback in league history and and I think it over time, first of all, it's a great deal for Denzel, something that he's earned. And I think it will actually end up being a good deal for this organization, not only to have that talent, but as the cap keeps going up and up, I think it was just a win-win for both the player and the team. And so I think we've done a lot of that in securing the guys that are the core centerpieces of this team. All right. You mentioned Denzel Ward and the Browns locking him up. Gribbs is the biggest move of the offseason that wasn't named Deshaun Watson uh, Amari Cooper and the trade that now looks pretty good, especially from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I do think it is because even with Amari Cooper, you've got some questions at wide receiver. Had you not made the Amari Cooper move, you're either overpaying for someone in free agency or you're just really needing some wide receivers in this draft. So I think it's significant. You get a guy that fits kind of everything Kevin Stefanski is looking for on the field, off the field, uh, and kind of giving yourself a, a big weapon for Deshaun Watson and then still having room to, to grow at that at that receiver room. You got some young guys in there, but you probably want to add some more to see if you can strike gold with some of these guys in this draft this year. All right, Nathan, you talked about Denzel. Gribbs talked about Amari Cooper. Is there another player, another signing that stood out to you, whether it was the team retaining someone or bringing in a new face? 
I'll go with the trade to acquire Chase Winovich. And he's a guy who had, you know, five and a half sacks in each of his first two seasons with New England. And when you look at that defensive end room right now, He's your starter opposite Miles Garrett. Now, there's still, obviously, we're seeing Miles making entrees out to Jadevian Clowney, recruit, recruiting him. We've heard there's mutual interest still in Clowney wanting to come back, the Browns wanting Clowney. And I do think that every day that goes by, by the way, that he is not somewhere else makes it more likely he comes back to the Browns. But Winovich is a guy, former third-round pick, can get after the quarterbacks. I mentioned those 11 sacks in his first two years. And when you don't have Clowney back right now, Tack McKinley, who was your third defensive end a year ago and, and unfortunately suffered that Achilles tear late in the season, you needed to have that third guy. And I think, you know, maybe the draft is going to bring a defensive end, Clowney, all of that. But for now, as it sits, Winovich, I think, is a guy who has a lot of opportunity to help us get after the quarterback in some of those cheetah packages where we put the three defensive ends on the field. All right, Gribbs, biggest position of strength for this team as we go into draft week 2022? I mean, is it it's is it quarterback? I mean, you've got a top five quarterback in the league now with Deshaun Watson. You've got a great backup setup with Jacoby Brissett. You've got a good third string guy with Josh Dobbs. I mean, I don't and, – and, you know, what, what do you what do you need to add at that position? I, I think – and the, the safe, other safe answer that I'll throw in there, it's, it's the, been the position of strength for three years now, running back. I think you feel good just as you have the last few years of that position, those are two positions that I think we can go into this draft weekend. I think we'd be surprised if you added any more bodies to those spots. Nathan, uh, on the defensive side, biggest position of strength. Yeah, I was going to go defense, and I'll go with the cornerbacks. you got Denzel Ward signed on the extension. you got Greg Newsom on a rookie deal. You have Troy Hill. You've got Greedy Williams. You've got A.J. Green. You've got five already, I think, that you feel pretty good about. And the versatility afforded to Joe Woods, and I think there are going to be some battles because we can approach our nickel situations in two different ways. You can have if Greedy Williams continues to play well, you can have Greedy on the outside with Denzel and Greg Newsom inside, or you can have Greg Newsom on the outside with Denzel and Troy Hill inside. So a lot of flexibility, a lot of depth. Do you need to draft a corner? Look, you can't have enough good corners. So could you see a corner come in this draft later on or certainly as an undrafted free agent like A.J. Green was a couple of years ago? Yes, but I think that is a huge strength of this team right now, that cornerback room and just the kind of the continuity, the talent from a year ago for Jeff Howard and Brandon Lynch to work with. I'm very excited about what we're going to be able to do on the back end. All right, biggest weakness on this team entering draft week 2022? I'll stay on the defense. I mean, I think there's two, right? It's the defensive line, and we'll talk wide receiver. But right now, the defensive line, your number two defensive end is not from a year ago is not on your roster. Either of your starting defensive tackles are not on your roster. We don't know what's going to happen with Malik McDowell, and hopefully that works out and he can come back. But, you know, you're moving up, guys, right now. Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai, a couple of draft picks. Uh, and you brought in Taven Bryan from Jacksonville, a former first-round talent who hasn't necessarily lived up to that status yet, but that's kind of unclear, a little murky in there. And then at the defensive end spot, you know, Chase Winovich is in. We signed a couple guys in the last few weeks, Stephen Weatherly, uh, Isaac Rochelle, but, and we've got Curtis Weaver, but it's not what it was a year ago. And so I think, and that's going to lead us to where we're going in the draft, probably on the defensive line and then probably at wide receiver. Yeah, and I think uh, I would agree with Nathan. I think defensive line is overall the team's biggest need going in this draft weekend because I think you could start a game tomorrow and feel pretty good about the wide receivers that you get on the field. Defensive line, I don't know how good you'd feel beyond the the, the starters or even with, with where you're at in the, in the middle of the defensive line. But I think that will be addressed in the next month or so. And, and just like it was last year where there was a, a flurry of signings and additions in the draft at defensive tackle that filled out the room pretty well. So – Wide receiver, though, I think offensively you've got to add at least a player or two to kind of just throw into the mix. We still think free agency could be a possibility. You know, Jarvis Landry remains unsigned. We'll see where that potentially goes. But 
uh, that's the one. And then the one B to me is still tight end. I think that it's, you've got to add at least another player or two in that room because the way this offense relies on tight ends, you, you, you can't just have Najoku, Harrison Bryant. You've got to have some other options there that you feel confident throwing out there. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think we could see a tight end coming in the draft. And you mentioned free agency still. I think there are options at receiver. There are veterans at defensive tackle. There are veterans at the defensive end position as well. And I think after the draft, that's when a lot of those guys are going to find homes. And remember, the Browns typically go into train camp with eight defensive ends and eight defensive tackles. I think we're at now we're at five defensive ends and three defensive tackles. So there are a lot of bodies that are going to be added uh, into both of those rooms. The other thing with tight end, though, I will say, I think because – of the change at quarterback, I think we're going to run a heck of a lot more 11 personnel than we have in the past, which is only one tight end on the field. Chief is back. I'm thrilled for him. I think he's going to have an opportunity to really become a star this year. you got Harrison Bryant, but I do think we'll add somebody there as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely a position of need, Gribbs, and, and we've, we've talked about that. As we turn our attention now to the NFL draft and, and draft week 2022, you mentioned tight end room, Gribbs. I'm looking at Nathan as I say that, that's right. but that's all right. It's going to happen. Not the first time, not the last. All right. We talk about edge rusher. We talk about wide receiver, defensive line. In your opinion, Nathan, is tight end the next biggest need for this football team? I think I would break up defensive line into edge and defensive tackle. So I think those are your three biggest, and, and I'd probably go edge receiver, then defensive tackle. Uh or receiver, edge, defense, tackle. I think those are the top two. Then it's tackle. Then it probably goes tight end and kicker to me. I mean, I think that we talk about kicker and you say, okay, well, we've tried drafting kickers. Hasn't necessarily worked out. Okay, that's fine. But we're in a division with Justin Tucker, who might be the best kicker in NFL history. Evan McPherson's off to a heck of a start in Cincinnati. Chris Boswell's a very reliable veteran for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is going to be a competitive division. This is going to be one that games come down to that. And I don't think we can go into this season again where last year we had the lowest field goal percentage in the league. We're too good for that. So I think kicker is still a very big position of need as well. Gribbs, you mentioned tight end. After tight end, who? what's your biggest need for this football team? Is think, it kicker? I think I agree with Nathan. I think I, I would maybe toss in, I mean, the possibility, like, you could probably add safety to the mix just to, to build some depth at that position. But, yeah, I think it's the specialist. I don't think you're necessarily done at both the kicker, punter, just the whole operation in general. I think you brought in some good options with Corey Bajorquez and then Jakeem Grant for returning. But as we've saw this past season, I mean, you need some other options on guys you can throw out there to catch punts and kicks as well. So the whole special teams operation, I think, could use a boost of, of depth. But those specifically those specialists, you want someone that can maybe potentially compete with Bajorquez, and then you need, obviously, to address the kicker, whether it's in the draft or undrafted free agency. All right. Is offensive line – and namely tackle. We, we know the center spot has some good depth. We know the interior of that offensive line has a lot of good depth. But at the tackle position, do the Browns need to go out, especially with some guys that are coming off of some pretty serious injuries? Is tackle a spot that this team needs to address? I think potentially if it's the right guy at the right spot, but I don't know if I go into the draft identifying that because you do have Jed, Jed and Jack back. You're, you're expecting big things from them. You've got James Hudson that, that you drafted last year and you knew would be a developmental guy, and you probably threw him out there more than you wanted to. You brought back Chris Hubbard, and then you know that you know, in a pinch, Blake Kantz can play the position at a pretty solid level. So I don't know, like, I don't know that you necessarily have to go in the draft saying we need a tackle, but if it if it's right spot, right fit, guy you really like, I wouldn't be against it and, and adding someone at that position. Zagura, is there a guy in this draft 
that you have fallen in love with. Do you have a crush on anybody in this draft? Yeah, but I mean, a lot of the guys that I like are not realistic for the Cleveland Browns, right? So you're talking about, I think Jamison Williams is going to be an unbelievable receiver in this league. I think Garrett Wilson is going to be an unbelievable receiver in this league. If you're kind of looking into that second round, I think if George Pickens is there out of Georgia, I would be very interested in bringing him into the mix because he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's done it in the SEC, he looks like a prototypical number one receiver. The feeling is, you know, that he's going to be long gone. I think his over-under on the draft is pick 36 and a half, so that's significantly before 44. But he's the guy I like. And then the one that I, you know, and I did it in my most recent mock, David Ojabo. I think he's a top 15 talent. I think if you're the Browns and you can bring back Jadevian Clowney, you've got Winovich to be your third this year. Anything you get from Ojabo this year is gravy. But this is a guy who really needs experience. And now will he be able to play coming off that torn Achilles? No, but the reps, getting in the room, learning the techniques, learning the fundamentals of the defense so that when he is able to get on the field, he hits the ground running. That would be a way to get a top 15 talent without a first-round pick. And we could handle it. We could absorb it this year. Again, we need to get Clowney back. But if we did... That's a guy that I think could become a star opposite Miles Garrett on a rookie contract for the next three years is what you really need because it's really hard to pay two edge defenders, and especially with some of the contracts the way that we've done them, we're going to need to find cheap guys at some premium positions, and I think Ajabo could do that. Gribbs, anybody on uh, on your list of players that you, uh, if they were there, you you might do a cartwheel. So this is a tricky one, but I, I would say uh, like, like Nathan, this is uh, this is un- unrealistic. But the guy I'm in love with on day two that I'm just fascinated by is the punk god. Is is Matt or Ar- <laughs> I, they, I I would I be stunned if the Browns use their 44th pick on a punter? Yes, but. Would I be stunned if that is a player that goes potentially before the Browns pick at 44 or slightly after? I would not be surprised. I think that he is that good. He is. I, it can be argued there's not been a player that is as good at their position that has come in the draft in a very long time. This guy, I think punting is very important. You get more – your success rate in drafting punters is much higher than drafting kickers in the draft. I think he's going to go on day two. I don't think he's going to go to, to the Browns, but I do think he will be, and that's someone I'm fascinated to watch on day two. Oh, man, I love the punk god. See, that's why Friday night's going to be a pretty fun night, I think, here <laughs> yeah. at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. The reaction from whatever team drafts the punter in the second <laughs> round, too, is just going to be incredible. But well, he's he's that good at what he does. I think he's the only person, the only punter I've ever heard of that I think a lot of fans would even be happy if their team took him in the second round. They'd be like, oh, yeah, the punt god, yeah. I mean, People have seen the clips. I want to see the person who introduces If you're doing a redraft of a few years ago with the Seahawks and Michael Dixon, he probably goes a couple rounds higher with how yeah. good he's been. I mean, that's that's a position where if you get someone that's, like, really, really good, that changes everything, helps out your your defense. I mean, it just sure. it puts everyone in a better spot when you have someone that's a, a freak talent like this guy. Is. I just say let's let's just not punt anymore. Let's yeah, that, score every time we have the ball. I'm in. I'd like that. It would make my job a lot easier. Uh, from a wide receiver standpoint, Nathan, and obviously we know about the big names in this year's draft, yeah. but we're, we're looking ahead to what could be available on day two and even into day three. But from a big picture standpoint, and we've talked about it on Browns Daily, uh, with Metcalf, with A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, the, the developing contract situations going on with them and a number of guys getting paid, guys, wide receivers getting moved all over this league right now. How did, will that impact this weekend and what teams may or may not do from a wide receiver standpoint, knowing how talented this class is and a rookie contract? I don't know how it's going to necessarily impact this weekend per se, but taking a larger look at the league, I think with kind of the predominance of now seven on sevens and the way that the football game has evolved, you're getting 
to the point where receivers coming in are like running backs used to be, where every year there's just a boatload of talented wide receivers. And so I think Minnesota two years ago was maybe a little ahead of its time and saying, all right, we're going to let a very good player in Stephon Diggs walk for a draft pick. We're going to turn that into Justin Jefferson. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Justin Jefferson. Like, do they end up paying Justin Jefferson with Minnesota or do they try to do the same thing again? Because I think every single year you're going to have a lot of talent coming in at this position. And so as receiver contracts are on the rise, does that make sense? Are they going to crater at some point because there's just too much talent and you don't want to pay the big money when you can just use a draft pick to get a guy much cheaper and get the production? And we're seeing rookie receivers be able to produce much quicker in their career than it used to be. It used to be, remember, 30, you got to wait to the third year for well, these guys come out and they're awesome immediately. Jamar Chase this year, Jefferson the year before that. So I, I do think ultimately it changed how people look at the position. I think for the Browns, Great options in the second round. I think there are great options in the third round. It's a deep draft at that position. You know, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati gives you the size, gives you some vertical presence. Uh, but I don't think we're done. I think that we're going to add an outside guy and a slot guy between now and the time that we get to training camp and how that goes with draft and free agent, probably one of each maybe, or maybe both in the draft. I don't know. That, I think, is still very much out there for this team. From an AFC North perspective, Gribbs, uh, what team are you most interested in? in seeing what they do? I think the easy answer is the Steelers because they need a quarterback and they're not in a great spot at to get a quarterback and it's also not a great year to get a quarterback. So they're the ones that, that fascinate me the most because that's they, they're, they're, they're rebuilding. They are in a situation where they need the draft to, to build not just for this year uh, but for the future. Uh, and I know the competition is going to be the Ravens and Bengals, but I feel like every year I watch the Ravens draft, I get I get angry and annoyed because they, they always get players that you're like, those guys make sense for them and they're going to make an impact. And the Bengals, I feel like they were on the doorstep of winning the Super Bowl. They've already addressed their offensive line, but now it's looking like they add pieces that are just going to seemingly make them better. But the Steelers, ha they, they need, the Steelers need this draft the most, and it's not shaping up great for them in terms of if they want to get their quarterback of the future in this draft. Yeah, I, I think – that situation bears watching, and, and I also think the Ravens situation. I mean, the longer they go without extending their quarterback, does something come to a head this weekend? Do we get do we get a Schefter bomb at 4 o'clock on Thursday afternoon leading up to the draft? I think that's something that worth watching with that football team. I don't think it's likely, but it's obviously – possible right I mean at some point the more that it goes on and you have some teams that are very aggressive about wanting quarterbacks Philadelphia would come to mind immediately that maybe they go and try to explore what's going on with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens so I do think that's intriguing the quarterback situation with the Steelers is very intriguing the Bengals are good they've done a good job as you mentioned addressing you know the offensive line and we'll see how that goes but yeah in our division it's the quarterbacks in Baltimore and Pittsburgh and one's probably much ado about nothing I'm guessing it just doesn't seem like it actually will get to a point where he is not playing for the Baltimore Ravens but it's worth watching and monitoring because you know we all thought that maybe Kyler Murray was going to be the surprise quarterback that maybe goes somewhere and over the weekend it says I love Arizona I want to be here and you know zero percent okay we'll see but there are teams with a lot of picks in this draft and in next year's that are positioned if they want to try to make an offer that somebody can't refuse it could come in the draft and we could have a, a bomb that would be certainly make Thursday more fun. I'll tell you that much because <laughs> we don't have a pick right now. All right. Prediction time for us on the best podcast available as we get you ready for the 2022 NFL draft. Gribbs, I'll start with you. Will the Browns make more picks on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball? I'm, I'm zagging here and I'm going offense. Cause I, I think that, that you're going to, you can address wide receiver tight end. And I just can't, 
get through a draft without you know getting some kind of offensive lineman in some capacity I think there there's a potential do you try on day three to get someone that can play the center position getting some more depth at that spot I think maybe it goes with seven picks I go four offense probably three defense Segura my dad would take great offense to the way you wrote this question because he could answer yes, he could answer no, and they would all be perfectly grammatically correct without giving you the information you seek. However, I am going to say no. They will not make more picks on offense or defense. Three on offense, three on defense, and a kicker. I like it. Oh, typical Zagura, riding the fence line. Zagura. Not riding the fence. Fact. I introduced a whole new scenario for you. Uh, You're yeah, welcome. I know. You do that frequently. Uh, fact or fiction, of their seven draft picks, the Browns will use the most picks position-wise at wide receiver. I think fiction, although I do think it is in the running. If there's a position that we use two at, I think it would either be receiver, and then if you want to group D-line together, it would be D-line, but I don't think that that's fair to do. If they do go double up at one position, it's either going to be receiver or either edge or interior D-line. And I think that's it. Those are the only options. Yeah, I think it's going to be fact that it's wide receiver because – but I'm not sure it will even happen, but I could imagine one defensive end, one defensive tackle. I can't – seeing multiples of both of those might be a little tough. All right, Gribbs, fact or fiction, the Browns will take either a kicker or a punter this weekend. It's <sighs> a tough one. I – I think. Come on, ride the train. I, I think, even though I just said three and four, I have to contradict myself and, and go the Zagura way. I think it is a fact because there is a couple of really good kickers in this draft. I think Cade York, Gabe Burchick, yep. the, Burchick the, the local guy from Chardon who, who played in Oklahoma. There are two really good options there, and and like Nathan said, it's it's a it's a, it's a position you've got to address. The Browns have used draft picks on kickers two times in the last eight or so years. Neither have worked out, but hopefully this one, this is the time it does. Fact or fiction? Well, you said fact. fact. All right. Yeah. Kicker or punter? Kicker. All right. Kicker. I think they like Bajorquez quite a bit. I think they think he can boom the ball and and change the field. So I I think they feel pretty good there. All right. Zagura, fact or fiction? The Browns will take a player from this year's Senior Bowl. I think we have a pretty good history of this group. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) I, I don't know. I'll go. You know what? I'm going to go You're fiction. The tough questions. Yeah, so. I'll go fiction. If it is a player from the Senior Bowl, my guess is it would be later on in the draft because that. But somebody who's at the Senior Bowl is going to be age skewing age wise older. So I'll say fine. I'll just go say fiction. No, nobody from the Senior Bowl. Maybe okay. from the Shrine Bowl though. Maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go fact. Building just because it's you're playing the odds. Almost everyone gets at least one player from the Senior Bowl. I'm going fact. All right. All right, Gribs. Were the kickers at the Senior Bowl? There are some. Yeah. Was it the guy that you, the guy from LSU? Uh, I'm not sure. Right. Great podcast. If he was there, we'll get him in. Let's go. <laughs> NFL big picture draft wise, guys. At Gribbs, I'll start with you. At what position number will the first QB be taken? I mean, I I just well, I'll I'll believe it when I see it that QBs fall. I'm take I'm going number six, Carolina. I just think that it just happens every year. Whether it's Carolina that makes that pick or someone else, a quarterback's getting taken at number six. Six or before. If yeah. somebody wants to go to five, maybe to just we get our guy. Uh, but yes, it's quarterback. It's a quarterback league. Like when you're there and you have a chance to draft a quarterback, you draft a quarterback. The EJ Manuel draft is not happening again. That doesn't. I just, I just don't. I just don't. See it. I, I just don't. From a QB standpoint, like Carolina, you're going to make an argument. The Giants need a quarterback at Atlanta. number five. Atlanta at eight, who still can't be mocked Seattle. to a quarterback. Yeah, I don't. Someone's going to go in the top ten. I don't buy this whole. Yeah. It's going to be pick. The Steelers will be the first ones to take a QB in this draft. I just don't buy it at all. Uh, wide receiver, edge, or other? Which position has the most picks in round one? Nathan Zagura. 
receiver. I think they're going to be seven. I think that'll I think that'll lead the way. I don't think the edges there would be seven, and I don't think there'll be another. I feel like we're going to be receiver. four or five at the edge spot. Yeah, I think receiver's the safe bet, mostly because of all the buzz surrounding Jamison Williams. The one to watch, honestly, is if Traylon Burks makes it to in the first round. He's the one that's kind of fallen a bit, uh, but I, I just think teams are going to load up at that spot, just like with the way the league is moving, because it's like it's not quite running back yet with where wide receivers are, but because the difference is wide receivers on their second deal are going to get paid where most running backs do not. Whereas that that's what makes these more important, I, and I think it's a copycat league, and people just saw what Jamar Chase did last year, and everyone wants their own Jamar Chase on their offense. Uh, Gribble. One bold prediction as it pertains to round one. Man, I, I just, the more I hear about it, the more I think that Thibodeau is going to fall potentially beyond outside the top 10. I have no reason to say why, but he's just, it just seems like uh, I've seen these movies before where the, the buzz surrounds a player or two in the, in the first round, and it typically goes that direction where the stuff usually isn't contrived or made up. I'll stick with you. One bold prediction for the Browns going into draft weekend. I don't, I don't even if you can. Can we do a bold, bold prediction without a first round pick? Yeah. Yeah, see, I like here, that. Here, maybe, here, maybe here's my bold prediction. The Browns will make all of their picks at their assigned spots. No action. That's maybe seventh that round pick at the end. Yeah. Thanks, Gribbs. Oh, man. Debbie Downer. Uh, Zagura, one bold prediction. Round one of the NFL draft. I guess my bold prediction about the first round is that there will be, number one, Jamison Williams will be the first receiver taken, and there'll be four receivers gone by pick 14. And one bold prediction for the Browns going into draft week. I was going to say this because I don't feel like it's bold at all, but I like it. We're going to move in the second round since it's the opposite of Gribbs. AB's moved in the second round every time. Give up the seventh rounders. So you're, back. you're not committing to a direction? I think we'll move somewhere. No, I won't. Yeah. We've gone up once. <laughs> To get JOK, we've gone back. We got Delpit and Nick Harris out of that. I think in a draft like this, if they feel when it gets to the second round that there's a cluster of guys, I do think back is more likely than up because we want to try to acquire, I'm sure, assets either for this year or in the future given that we gave up a lot of draft capital to get Deshaun Watson. So sticking at 44 is my bold prediction. Because that, that is bold. That I would, think that is that bold. Would be, it would be, be different. without precedent. Yeah. All right, Zagura. Yeah. Your favorite draft moment as a member of the Browns content team. Or just a memorable moment. Um, Maybe not a favorite. I mean, my some f- things don't age well. Well, this one didn't age well, but I mean, my <laughs> first draft was when the draft was still at the Radio City Music Hall, 2014, and when we did trade up to 22 and take Johnny Manziel, it was bedlam. Like it felt like something. This was going to be a defining moment. It was a defining moment, not in the way that you would want it to be, but it was at the time. Like that was cool. There was an electricity that night. Everybody was buzzing, uh, and then I think last year. I had two of them. One during uh, COVID when we were home, when we got Delpit, I was very happy. I was beside myself with joy. And then last year, last year when we got JOK, like the Hoff lost it. He went full on. He was just screaming. And then when he came on and I remember JOK did the, uh, the interview with us and dropped a smart, tough and accountable, the three pillars. And like Hoff was just losing his mind. He was so happy. And watching Joe eat is also well, we'll get, we'll get to you and see if you can top that. You stole my JOK because that was one where, as you're watching the draft, like you never think like the the, the it player. And JOK was like the it player oh, yeah. on day two. And you always follow it, and it never seems to work out for the, the team you're with. But it was like one of those where we're like, JOK, we kept looking at the list, JOK. And then all of a sudden it's like, Brown straight up, it's JOK. Like that was like such a weird thing to see happen where you don't usually will something into existence, but it seemed like from, from our standpoint that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, 2021. So that was the 2021 draft. 2020, we will. I felt like we will delp it here, and we will Donovan Peoples Jones here, because I wanted him so bad. And then he kept being at the top of with the best player available yeah. for like forever. And I'm like, fine. And then we took like, let's go, DPJ. It was also nice in 2020 to see people we hadn't seen anyone uh, for like a human year and beings. A half. It was it, yeah. was it was a great time. Here. It was great. Can you replace Joe Thomas when it comes to the eating display that he put on a couple of years ago during our draft radio Absolutely. show? Absolutely. While the draft show was going on on the live camera. Absolutely not. Joe Thomas, I think, ate, I think he ate, what do you say, 35,000 calories that night? Yes. And then he, like, fasted for three days. First of all, I don't do that, the fasting part of it. 35,000 calories, like, I can eat. It was bonkers. He ate everything. And I've had the pleasure of having uh, many meals of food with Joe Thomas. There's nobody like him on the planet. His ability to consume is without without compare. He is, no, I don't want to try. Mm-mm, no. And that's going to no. wrap it up. Episode 10 of the best podcast available. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. The draft finally here. Enjoy it. Make sure you keep it locked to clevelandbrowns.com. All of our Browns media platforms, including the Browns radio network all weekend with uh, extensive coverage, updates, and the latest news and notes as we get in to the 2022 NFL Draft. Nathan Zagura, pleasure as always. Absolute treat. There you go. See, he was excited. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available presented by Cross Country Mortgage.